Hello, and welcome to the Vitality Women Leading Audaciously podcast. I am Jennifer Helene, CEO of Purposeful Ventures, devoted to naturally innovative solutions for the realignment of humanity. We believe that stories connect us, dismantling the illusion of separation, causing healing. This interview will be 20 to 30 minutes long, and I look forward to sharing on Common Ground. Hello and welcome to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. I am so excited today to welcome with the open heart, Dr. Michelle Stevens. She is co-founder and a CNO, which means Chief Nursing Officer at Oath Care. Coming to us today from San Francisco, welcome. So glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. It is so good to be with you. Oh, um, Oath Care. Now, I'd love to hear what led you to create Oath Care. What was the story that was, or stories that were leading up to, to that? Sure. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, well, Oath is a platform that seeks to um, support the fertility, pregnancy, and pediatric space uh, by offering um, uh, medical advice paired with uh, community support. Um, so my journey uh, in creating Oath um, has been through pediatrics. So my entire career was in pediatrics. Um, uh, started basically uh, knowing that I wanted to pursue pediatrics when I was seven. My brother passed away from a congenital heart defect, uh, which radically changed our family. And uh, I knew that I wanted to deliver uh, that love and care that the nurses and doctors uh, did for me and my family um, for, for others and for the rest of my life. So uh, after I graduated nursing school, I went back to the hospital where the surgeon that developed the repair for his defect was in residence. And so I got to take care of a lot of patients like my brother and just experienced this full circle um, effect of being able to uh, radically support parents and kids. That's um, an interesting story. I mean, how old were you? He, how, you were seven. Yeah, he was... seven. yeah. and he was just born. Oh. And yeah, seven was such a pivotal time, right? Like I'm just starting to understand uh, you know, morality and, and life and death. And, um, and so it was a pretty critical time, uh, yeah. in my life. Yeah. And you mentioned you have children and I believe they're yeah. seven and nine. They're, you they're said? seven and nine. Yes. Yeah. So you're they're seeing both that boys. And okay. Yeah. So and I, when I was seven, I had a, a, a medical, I had osteomyelitis, but they thought that it was, yeah. they thought it was leukemia because my white blood cell count was so high, but it was like you, a moment where I realized that without your health, it is nothing works. And right. it was a moment when I think that, I don't know if I chose it, but it chose me, but I became obsessed about health and mm-hmm. uh, understanding, you know, how to stay healthy because without it, you've got nothing, right? Yeah, truly. And yeah, uh, I experienced in the ICU, the tremendous amount of stress that parents and children undergo. And it was often overlooked, right? I mean, I'm taking care of the sickest of the sick in this hospital, and we just want them to survive. But I was like, well, how are they going to actually thrive um, if we are trying to get them out of this experience? 
So I got really curious around stress. Like in my education, I never even learned that kids got stressed. Um, I also started kind of evaluating my own stress, especially as a young child and what my brother's death really meant during that time, um, in relationship to stress, um, even working in the ICU, I was very stressed. I, um, actually landed myself in the hospital for a week with colitis, um, unknown etiology. Uh, they just did not know what was causing it. And I was like, oh, I, I know it, it's stress. Um, and, uh, had multiple diagnoses, diagnoses of, I had stage two malignant melanoma a year after that. Um, I fractured my orbital bone and needed surgery, um, within this like span of a year. Um, yeah, in the ICU. So, um, I believe that stress was linked to all of that mm-hmm. and therefore really curious around it and realized that there's this whole phenomenon of adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. Um, and they're very well studied. We have like 40 plus years of research around this, uh, really stating that, um, ACEs have a dose response correlation to seven out of the top 10 chronic illnesses we face in the United States today. Okay. Can you give us, can you break that down? That's really important what you said, but not yes. all of our listeners yes. are, you know, skilled in dissecting research. So, um, yes. can you say that like in layman's terms? Yeah, sure. So there are like 10 known adverse childhood experiences that if experienced in childhood, And in a dose response, meaning the more ACEs you have, the more likely you are to experience seven out of the top 10 chronic illnesses we face. Like diabetes. Yes. High blood pressure, hypertension, hypertension, depression. Yeah. You know, weight, you know, issues, you know, you know, cardiometabolics. Okay. Um, So I know you were going to go on, but this is a really important thing. Yes. And so just before you go on, like, what's the difference between this and ACE and trauma? It's very similar, but they are 10 known uh, traumas around abuse, neglect and household dysfunction. Oh, my gosh. Does that like categorize absolutely everybody? I mean, I don't know anyone <laughs> to be like out of bed. <laughs> well, I'll be vulnerable here and say that my ACE score is not zero, one or two. It's five. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, a five says that I'm like uh, I'm more likely to die 20 years younger than the average oh. life expectancy. I'm like four times as likely to have a um, to have diabetes, to have hypertension, to have um, depression. So um, what I want to get across here is that um, most of our chronic diseases that we face, uh, and I know you're working towards this as well, really have its roots in early childhood stress. Amazing. Well, that's so, and that then therefore Oath is born. Oath care. That's right. Is a solution to help families prevent these diseases because they are preventable. I mean, clearly. Exactly. This is actually the hope um, in the science is that uh, to actually uh, start to buffer the experiences of stress, whether now or in early childhood, um, the most 
like well-known antidote is to have community bonds, is to have a positive, consistent caregiver to help buffer those experiences of stress. And that can be for an adult as well. An adult can also have someone that they go to to help create that buffer. But um, that is what we know to be true. And so that is what Oath does. Oath creates these experiences of stress buffers through our care team, through community. We give and create community for you so that you can buffer your own stress and then be able to help buffer the experiences of stress for your, your child. Oh, I love that because it's really, you know, has to be that way. The parent has to take their own work into consideration. I know that when my daughter was having a a lot, she had a really tough phase and it was only when I did my work that she actually, you know, healed, that she actually got better. It was extraordinary. Yeah. She was, um, you know, over a hundred pounds, you know, overweight and she had, you know, suicidal tendencies and it was really, really tough, but it was through me and doing my work, you know, it was like instantaneous. So I'm so glad you guys are focusing, um, you know, in that way, so to say. Yes. And I'm so glad that you were able to see that and recognize that. I think so much of what we're told, um, is to really ping the environment to, um, get these insights and resources and knowledge, but really it's all the work within that we need to do to then be able to show up as our best selves and be able to tend to others' needs. But yeah, yeah. If, if we're not caring and attending to ourselves. So Oath, the name, like where, yes. like why Oath? You know, when I think of yes. Oath, I think of like the Pledge of Allegiance or yes. you're in the courtroom, you know, with the Bible. Yes. Like so, so what, yeah, I'm really curious about this word that you chose. Why? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, so Oath is a nod to the Hippocratic Oath, which is the oath doctors take to primarily do no harm. And what we recognize, unfortunately, from our current healthcare system is that, uh, you know, we from the very beginning of the way our healthcare has been created, have created structures of marginalization and um, disparity between um, patients and providers and even between patients. And so we are creating a new oath, a way to help rectify and reimagine healthcare to um decrease that disparity that exists. Hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, there are more deaths per year from medical mistakes. Um, I understand than, um, than we'd like to admit. Correct. And um, from uh, the perspective of motherhood, um, mothers who identify as black are three times more likely to die during childbirth or over 50 to 60% of moms in the US give birth on Medicaid. And so with these big disparities, we come to try to gain access to good quality care, uh, to really have folks be uh, at the center of their care uh, and not have it be in sort of this patriarchal um, hierarchy um, and to really give access that really meets that person where they are and empowers them to make the best possible decision for themselves and their family. So Michelle, it sounds like you're revolutionizing healthcare. We're trying. We're 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 a new model of healthcare. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, let's face it, it is not working. It's really sick care. 
Yeah, and I've said this me. for years, you know, like it's just, it's so ridiculous. I resent, and I know so many people listening are also in the same boat, uh, having to pay for healthcare every month yes. and only using it once or twice a year when you go for your well check and you get your blood work and your, you know, mammogram or whatever you need to do. Um, it is so challenging. So if I understand correctly, you're providing uh, like resources. So advice from experts that people can yes. trust. And then you have like a community of people uh, that they, they can not commiserate, but you know, that they, they can access information. Like this person had this problem and that person had that problem and this is what they did and it works. Is that, is that kind of like Yes, that's really it. Um, basically, the, the care comes in the form of asynchronous chat. So your care team is a mental health provider, a stage-based specialist, and a parent guide. Um, and they are all in one chat to answer any and all questions seven days a week. They also tag in specific specialists around sleep, lactation, pelvic floor therapy, child development, nutrition and fitness, um, all to answer questions specifically to you. And then in the community uh, part, you get to pick whatever community you wanna be in, however many, and there you'll find proactive content surfaced by our specialists and fellow moms from the broader Oath community interacting with that content, asking questions, revealing, sharing experiences. And it's more of like a social experience around health. Uh, you know, you have a lot of Facebook groups that do this and Reddit forums, but they don't have the specialists that really lead with vulnerability and empathy and evidence-based data to really put those um, safe guardrails on what is being shared. Well, it's brilliant. It's just, just incredible. So I'm really excited for... Thank you. For, yeah, for like what comes of it, because, you know, I feel like so many of the moms, um, you know, feel so broken and we feel kind of hopeless. Um, we feel overwhelmed and under-resourced. Yes. Uh, I don't think any of us could have predicted what, what, what impact giving our children phones would have. Right. And I mean, we are rendered helpless. I mean, I, I, it's unbelievable. I mean, my daughter is like still very much into her phone. Um, but then there are, you know, parents who didn't give their kids phones until they were later. And I'm only bringing up this phone thing as a, just an yeah. example of the areas that the parents feel helpless right? and that they don't know how to, like, it's like, it's like a different world that we're navigating in. Um, and sure. we, it's like, <laughs> like, oh, my son just like plays video games all day. What do I do about that? And it's like, the yes. more you ask them to come out of their room, the more they don't, it's like, and so we really need to like come together because yes. feel like in a lot of ways, it's like a wild, wild west out there. I don't know. Absolutely. And this is what like this is what oath is for any and all questions. We're not trying to replace your pediatrician or your therapist or your OB. We're really there for those moment to moment experiences of motherhood or parenthood to support you where you're at and to really come up with the best decision for you and your family to not like shame you for having screen time or having that phone, but to really find strategies and tools to you know, best uh, create an outcome for that situation that you're in um, and have you feel good and confident about it. Yeah, um, that's but, important. Super. Yes. Because who has time to read all those books? I remember my sister and I were first right. had children. I mean, she had all these books and she read like every book and she was doing everything by the book. And I was like, oh, I don't have time to read those books. <laughs> I, was like, yes. I mean, you know, permissive parenting, not for sleep training, not, you know, it's like, you know, all these things, all these themes, you know, do I do the baby sign language? You know, it's like, just never ending. 
right? That's what, there's so much content out there, right? <laughs> and I just want to know what does it mean for me? And, yeah. and how can I actually tailor it to be safe and good for my situation, my family? Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk more about that because yes. like technically you're an as expert now on like life stages, especially early childhood. And here you've got kids and you're in like the magic years, seven and nine. Yes. It's like the best time ever. Yes, for sure. Um, at least for me, it was. Uh, yeah, no, daughter. for sure. They're still <laughs> like they're still innocent, and they're into everything, and they like are so creative and iman- imaginative, and I just love living life through their their lens. Yeah, and they love to like cuddle still and mm-hmm. adore yeah. you. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> oh, and they still love themselves when they look yeah. in the mirror. Yes. And that all changed right around 10 or 11 um, yes. with my daughter. And, um, you know, it's still, it's still, it's coming back around, um, but it's, it's such a, a common thing. experience. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you'd be willing to talk about kind of what, um, what are some best practices that you try to, um, that you try to have either as values or yes. um, just in general, um, like, I don't know if you have some things at the top of mind that you could share with us about just how you're choosing to parent. Yes. Um, it's a big question. I'm, I, it is a big question. And I am uh, wanting to kind of couch it in a bit of like a uh, um, situation here. So like, um, yes, I live in San Francisco. I am like co-founder of a company. My husband uh, is also like a venture capitalist. He is co-founder of a few companies as well. So we are like very busy. Um, and our life has a lot of demands. Um, and we have put some practices in place to help us feel like we are being, um, fully alive parents and, uh, workers. And so, um, yeah, the way that really looks for us is, is putting like rhythms in place. Um, and so, uh, no matter what we, uh, always try to come back to these rhythms. Um, you know, we are very, uh, and account- we hold each other accountable to them, such as like, okay, this time is for working out. This time is for being with the kids. This time is for work. This time is for uh, dinner and uh, for, you know, hanging out. Um, and so um, having those boundaries and holding each other accountable to them really um, has been helpful to us. Oh, uh, that's great. It's great. That's great. Yes, that's amazing. And so, I mean, it sounds like, so the compartmentalization and that's kind of an oversimplification, but also helps you probably to be present in each of those yes. categories of your life. Cause it requires a different facet or reflection of your light, you know, whether you're the businesswoman, you know, the mother, the wife, you know, or you're doing, you know, self-care for, you know, your own, you know, self-development. So that's beautiful. Yes. And I think what presence really helps with is acceptance, because if I didn't have, I can be present and not really full, feel fully alive um, in that moment. And and I think accepting myself in that moment for what it is, is like the the full expression. And um, yeah, it, it's it's powerful. Um, it's, yeah. it's so simple, but it, it is really difficult. <laughs> it is. And I, I, you touch on a really important aspect of vitality. You know, people are always saying, well, how do I get vitality? How do I become vital again? And presence is a huge pillar inside of achieving vitality. You know, yes. if it were a destination, for example, 
Um, and presence is cultivated. It's not like, yeah, okay, you can flip a switch and be present because right. it's a choice. Right. But you also have to gain uh, what I would call like resilience or even like, you know, like you strengthen a muscle at the gym. Right. It's like, is that, that like being able to get in, get yourself, summon yourself into presence is like a, a muscle that you practice and you mm-hmm. get better at. That's at least my, been my experience because sometimes it's hard to be present because like, there was an upset this morning. It didn't sure. go like you wanted it to. And then it's the evening and you still haven't sorted it out. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, it's in the space, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so there have been, there's some things that you've been able to practice that have helped you with your presence. Yes, absolutely. Mindfulness um, is really important. So I take uh, 10 minutes a day, honestly, no more <laughs> uh, to meditate. Um, I also practice what is called conscious leadership. Um, so <laughs> plug to them. Um, they're an actual like group that creates forums um, in which I uh, do life with. Uh, I get really messy and vulnerable with, um, I share, um, a lot of stories and drama in the hopes of really seeing it for what it is. Um, and for, uh, sorting my feelings, uh, and revealing my feelings around Mm -hmm. it to really feel complete, um, uh, and to really create some distance between the drama and the self. Um, and to really start to hold it more loosely. That's really what this is all about is to not feel so, uh, fixed and so tight around what is happening. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking also like Vedic principles, you know, from, you know, India, right. In the Ayurvedic system, as well as the yogic doctrine, like these are all like, uh, principles inside of how we end suffering as humans. Yes. Um, And one is to gain distance, gain perspective. Right. And yeah. the other is this idea of non-gripping, which you described so eloquently, because like we hold on to things like, you know, right. as a coaching world, right? There, you have a vision, right? You have a goal. And it's like, yeah, you want to keep that goal in sight. But if you grip onto it too hard, it is, it's not going to work. Right. Your health isn't going to work. Your relationships aren't going to work. It doesn't matter what that is that you're gripping. It's just, it's not going to work. And I'm saying yeah. that like, I never grip onto anything. Because oh, I, no. <laughs> I oh, do. no. It's- That's not the goal too. The goal is to recognize it, to see it and to see if you can like create some space around it. And oftentimes like feeling your feelings and expressing, you know, what the story is to others. That's what I really firmly believe in living in deep community and all the facets of your life. Like my kid's school is a small community. My church is a small community. My work is a small community. Like my forum is a small community just so that I what I want more than anything else in this world is to be deeply known and loved. And honestly, if I'm deeply known, then that must mean that I'm deeply loved because if I'm known for all the things that I'm known for, <laughs> you, you gotta love me. But um, yeah, love it, it, it's it's really, that's that's what it's all about. And so really trying to see where you can create that in your life, um, I think will be such a gift. Yeah. And I mean, that folks, that's such a golden nugget that she just gave to us because I know that all of us listening, that's all we want. All of us just want to be deeply known and loved. And it's up to us to find and create that community Mm -hmm. that, you know, that could be virtual, could be in person, you know, but I just really appreciate you bringing that to light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2023, I think that, you know, we, there's been so much disjointed, 
um, just just disjointedness in our environment. There's been in work, in families, you know, and I think we're just picking up the pieces yeah. and we're getting a lot more decisive about what that looks like for us. Is it our actual family or is it a soul family or is it, you know, friends? Like what, what are these communities? What do they look yes. like? Where can I be seen, known, heard, felt, loved? Um, so it was a really, really golden nugget there. Oh, good. And I want, I want to even say like, that starts with you <laughs> deeply knowing and loving yourself is the yeah. first step in which you then can be deeply known and loved. Um, so yes, uh, yeah, I, I think okay. building that community and, and, and it, it, it's in tandem, right? It's in step where you can have your, uh, community building while you're coming to wholeness, um, for me, it, it feels like that. That's the process I'm on. Um, but yeah, it, it's also deeply knowing and loving yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, that's well, got to be the, the biggest journey, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah, it takes a little bit. But for those of you who can't see her, Michelle is definitely vital. She's healthy. She's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, she's also a, a wife, not only a mother, um, and an entrepreneur. Uh, well, I don't know if I call you an entrepreneur. Would you call yourself an entrepreneur, co-founder? Yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I would too. Um, and it sounds like you, you and your husband are living very full lives. How do you keep it all together? Mm. Um, you know, what, what is a tool that you use? And you already mentioned the, the you know, the kind of, I don't want to say silos or compartments, but like, you know, you have your, you know, times for these different things. Yes. Um, and so, and then you hold each other accountable, but is there, is there any other secret sauce or magic that you use to, to have like some flow inside of it all? Yeah. Um, I think rest is really important. Um, I think rest together and alone is really important. Mm. Um, he has, uh, you know, he goes, fly fishing. Uh, he, uh, really gets his alone time there or he'll, you know, sneak away with a book. Um, for me, I, uh, sneak away as well and, and either get some alone time for a couple of hours or even do, um, an overnight or two, uh, a year alone. Um, I think it's really important to create, uh, rhythms and patterns of alone time and rest within obviously rest, but like alone time within that rest, um, especially as a parent, uh, that's become even more important. Um, yeah. I rhythms around, honestly, like date nights have been really important to us and to keep that a priority. Okay. Um, and we do that weekly and I know that's may sound like luxurious, but, um, that is, that is what it takes for us. But finding what that what that rhythm is um, to really connect and be together, um, yeah, I I really think that uh, a dose of humility, and I say humility, but what I really mean is um, taking time to do the small things um, and not uh, thinking that they are wasteful or um, ridiculous. But in that ridiculousness could be just pure magic. Um, and that's what I have found, whether it's like, you know, cutting costumes up for my kids or making them uh, cinnamon toast in the morning that, you know, may not be healthy for them, but like it's nostalgic. And I get to share with them, you know, what that means uh, to our family and what that meant to our childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can be so special. So, um, 
really not, uh, you know, putting them aside or, or thinking that they are not worthy. Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. I think these days I find there's so much coming at me and us. Yeah. And I even kind of separate myself from the world to a certain degree um, and intentionally, you know, have small doses of the world and the city. Um, and we need that time to integrate. Yeah. All the impressions and stuff coming at us. And that time of contemplation is so, so valuable. Yes. And so I, I'm so glad that you emphasize that as a reminder that time alone doesn't have to be like another to do, right? No, no. <laughs> that it Oftentimes it's my most creative. Yeah. That's yeah. where I get my ideas and um, I reconnect with myself and my joy. Um, yeah. yeah. Alone time is so important. Yeah. So I'm really in a movement these days and that's been one way I can kind of integrate my alone time with something productive, you know, that's helping me to achieve a goal, but also when I do it in such a way where it's emotionally engaged, it's been a great vehicle for me to just sort out those emotions. Like you were talking about earlier, um, perhaps even more effective than the thousands of methodologies I've been working with <laughs> intellectually, you know, for yes. these, these, uh, you know, decades. Um, <laughs> well, when you actually said that, that reminded me of like, the most simplest things I do to move my emotions have brought me like incredible peace and euphoria. Uh -huh. Like when I can fully feel my anger and not take it out on anyone, but like, you know, take a plastic bat to a chair or scream in a pillow or stomp a floor, you know, that is a way for me to like safely fully express my anger and yeah. at the end of it, feel complete and feel yeah. um, like I'm not sort of held captive by that emotion. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. release. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Michelle, my goodness, we were like at the end of our time here, I could go on and on with you. Uh, there's so yeah. many things that you and I have discovered about life that work for us um, in the way we're living it. So I just really appreciate um, this time that we've had together. Um, really quickly though, do you think Oath Care will um, expand into other life stages or, or do you think it will stay kind of at the pediatric stage? Yeah, no, we uh, very much see ourselves uh, expanding all the way through um, childhood into adulthood. We're not there yet. I think we're specifically poised to serve the fertility uh, through age five space at this time, um, but really urge folks to think about our model of care um, for all verticals of healthcare. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, we're hoping to be um, one of many uh, companies that start to build healthcare in a way that is communal. Yeah, communal, health-centric, helping people take full ownership um, and, and accountability for their own health based on the experts that you have. It's just brilliant, I'm so excited. Um, so folks, if you'd like to learn more about Oath Care, um, Michelle, should they go to oathcare.com? That's right. Yep. That's so exciting. Can, yeah. Download our app, even from our website and learn more about us there. Excellent. Thank you so, so much. Any last words of wisdom you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, no, I honestly think that I shared, um, uh, a lot of it, I think, uh, please uh, look, maybe if you're curious to look into your um, 
adverse childhood experiences um, and learn more, um, go to ACEs Aware. Um, ACEs Aware uh, is a website where you could also uh, find your own ACE score and find tools and resources uh, to know what to do with it. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you brought that full circle because, you know, it did leave me wondering, like, what's my ACE score? Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to know. Yeah. Um, so fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your work, for your, you know, just your presence and um, letting us know you and love you. So mm -hmm. thank you. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Please contact me if you're interested in cultivating more vitality at jennifer-helene.com on the contact page. If you know this episode would be of value to your community, please share it on all of your social media channels. Maybe you are a successful working mom who would like to share your story on this podcast. Please visit podcast.jennifer-helene.com backslash podcast-guest to apply. And you might know someone who would be an ideal guest. If so, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. I absolutely love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It mean a lot to me and my team in getting the word out about how to realign humanity with purpose. Purposeful Ventures is a company that is helping moms succeed in revitalizing their lives, relationships, businesses, and health. Please join a more personal conversation by working directly with me, joining my private Facebook group or one of my programs. This is Jennifer Helene, and thanks for spending your precious time with me.